Welcome to Horrible Friends. It's a horror podcast in book club-ish format. Uh, starting off, my name is Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And this week we have a lovely little film called Mimic. 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 You see what I did there? No. And, uh, okay. Uh, I think it's 1997. And hello, that, everyone, uh, and welcome to another you know, episode gonna... of Horrible Friends. You see what you see? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a little bit of history, we're going to talk about the plot, uh, we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of our uh, you know, talk about the cinematography, special effects, sound effects, and then give a little kind of roundup of how we feel about the movie with our spoopy meters. So, starting off, Dan, do you happen to have history about Mimic? Absolutely. As this is our final movie of Monster Month. So, Mimic came out in 1997. The director and one of the co-writers is Guillermo del Toro. Uh, You couldn't tell that by watching this movie. He is known for doing movies such as Pan's Labyrinth, The Shape of Water, and Hellboy. Uh, Probably things that you guys have never heard of, ever. One of his co-writers for this is Matthew Robbins who wrote Crimson, Peak, and Dragon Slayer, among a couple other things. The budget for this is $30 million, or it was $30 million, I suppose. And the box office for this was a whopping $25.5 million. So it's actually lost money. So mm-hmm. close. Um, and as we've talked about before, it that that's just the box office loss. That they, they don't usually work port like all the advertising costs and other junk so it probably lost a lot of money <laughs> that's not surprising yeah whoa whoa give it time whoa, whoa. Yeah, i mean it's only been out 25 years give it some time it'll give make it time <laughs> it's a slow build slow it'll build. find its audience finds its groove its audience is right here we're talking to you hello uh, welcome to no. horrible friends it was yep we are literally the only five people who watch this movie. <laughs> Probably since 1997. You guys remember paying your $5 million to see this film back in the day? I do. Yeah, every cent. Yeah, 5. it was rough. One. It was actually $5.1 yeah. yeah, fair, fair, fair. As a six-year-old, I was very proud to have saved $5 million and spend it needlessly <laughs> on a movie that would have cost only $7 to see. But I couldn't go alone. <laughs> I would have had to taken my mommy with me. <laughs> well, well, we had to bribe the people to let us in, right? It was like seven dollars for the ticket, and the rest of it goes to the ticket kiosk guy <laughs> and the other five million nine hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. <laughs> so the runtime for this is approximately one hundred six minutes. Other nineteen ninety seven horror movies that, dear God, we could have watched. Would have been Cube, which, man, we keep talking about. Such a good movie. I Know What You Did Last Summer and Wishmaster. Yeah, Wishmaster are very underrated movies. I've always wanted to see it. I, I just haven't. Uh, basically like Evil Genie, Monkey's Paw type wishes. Love it. So the filming location of this is Toronto, Ontario. You know what? Normally I give you guys like specifics, but I just, I, I'll be honest, I didn't care. I was like, this movie sucks. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Oh, so, dude. Uh, oh. It's in Jarvis's favorite place. It's in Canada. I mean, that's... There Fuck! You <laughs> there you go. Jarvis takes everything back. 
Eh, not yet. We'll see. But I will give you some taglines for this. For thousands of years, man has been evolution's greatest creation. Until now. If this was man's greatest creation, then I'm disappointed in man. <laughs> yeah, little did they know, 10 years from this, the iPhone's coming out. What the fuck? Come on, guys. Hey, hey, quit thinking small potatoes. Let's talk virtual reality anime girls. All right? <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about real evolution. That's fair. Uh, that that will be the greatest thing and will continue to be the greatest thing that man has ever come up with. Um, <laughs> Can I get an amen here? Amen, brother. (laughs) All right, here's here's the rest of the taglines. This summer, brace yourself for the ultimate battle between man and nature. The battle was between me and trying to pay attention to this movie. All of you, all of you fucking flabbergasting me right now. This is a good movie. All right, well, how about this one, guys? A bold experiment. A deadly mistake. Making this movie was a bold experiment. That's how I felt watching this movie. Bold experiment. <laughs> it's a bold oh, experiment. A mistake. <laughs> I will say, I will say that, and I mentioned this to Dan outside the show. One, this was Guillermo del Toro's like first big like like American movie. Miramax had their dick in everything about it. Like he more or less had no creative direction with this movie at all. Like Miramax showed up every day of filming and said here's what you're shooting, here's what you're not allowed to shoot, and here's what we're going to be editing out in post-production. Yeah. Uh, so he had wait, no wait, control. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Are you saying that you guys talk outside of the show? Yeah, what? Whoa. I, there's well, it was weird. The like, he somehow found my number, and he called me, and I said, weird. who the fuck are you, and how did you get my number? Look, guys, it was an accident. I meant to call Domino's and order pizza, <laughs> but... Chris uh-huh. picked up and was like, I'm this, sir, this is not a Domino's. <laughs> but since we're on the phone, have you heard of the movie Mimic? <laughs> Actually, I have. Wait, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, Del Toro even, like, basically as soon as this movie went out, he was just like, he just disowned it. Like, he's like, yeah, this isn't my movie. This isn't, this wasn't my vision. And they shit all over it. So I, and he distances, yeah, distanced himself from it, like, very quickly. There was a director's cut of this movie from Guillermo del Toro because he wanted to have his like the Snyder cut release the Snyder cut. You cowards! Is, and there, is there a three-hour cut of this movie? Not three-hour no, no, no. cut. Please tell me that's The director's I, I, cut basically is more Guillermo del Toro's vision of it. It explains the bug people better and makes the ending more ambiguous and gives it more fully fleshed out than how it actually did end in the theatrical okay well seeing as you just said that does it explain why this movie is called mimic uh i think the that's what i was i have thoughts about this whole thing that i'll talk about later (laughs) but the the mimic is supposed to be the bugs trying to mimic people by standing up yes that is (laughs) when we wrap up later but that's one of my major issues with this movie you know what i'll just say that if if there is a longer cut that gives more exposition. You know what? That's what I felt like I needed when I was watching this movie was more pointless exposition. I was like, man, if only I could have some more exposition in this movie to explain more things to me, damn, I would be way more engaged in this movie. Well, to piggyback off what Mike said about the director's cut, like, yeah, he had a director's cut, like came out like 12 years later, but 
all the extra footage he had, like Miramax destroyed and got rid of. So he really didn't get to fully complete what his vision was since it was like 12 years later. And trying to do reshoots over a decade later, probably not going to work. Like, huh, why is this? Why does this character seem so much older for this one second of a scene? Oh, they're younger again. Oh, that was weird. Wait, why does it seem like they're exactly 12 years older? So weird. So weird. So weird. All right, Dan, let's keep moving. All right. So we have a couple more uh, taglines because, you, you know, if, if you can't make a good movie, then you might as well fill it with taglines. Uh, the next tagline is, we protect ourselves by destroying our enemies, but evolution has a way of keeping things alive. That, it's so long. That's not a tagline. That's not yeah. a tagline. Not, <laughs> the not taglines are so wordy. Did Did you guys not like that one because it was too long? That, yeah, that, what's that, the next one? Please okay. tell me the next one. Well, well, allow me to give you the same exact thing, but way shorter. Uh, the next tag, the last tagline is: "Evolution has a way of keeping things alive." Oh, okay. It was literally the same thing. It was just short. There you go. All right then. Fuck it. Print them both. you know it's a good tagline for this movie that's completely original life finds a way huh all right thanks mr goldblum it works doesn't it so our nude clock this week uh nude clock is something that we do every week and it is for the most part it's to point out the absurdity of nudity in horror movies when it's really not necessary uh, this week, everyone always yells at me because I say there's never a nude clock, but I really don't think there's a nude clock this week. Zero. Nunzo, dude. Nunzo. Which is why I, I think I lost interest about it. I was about to say, would nudity have helped this movie? Let's just say things get pretty <laughs> sticky and pretty slimy, but not in the <laughs> ways we were hoping, boys. We do get some sweet chompers on a kid, right? We got mm. those those chompers. I can't... <laughs> The pair of of kids I refer to and will continue to refer to as Chompers and Budget Keenan Thompson. You know, it's probably for the best that kid got brutally murdered because that way he could never perform like the most horrifying cunnilingus on a poor unsuspecting woman. Like Bugs Bunny eating pussy. Like... What's up, Doc? <laughs> like Bugs Bunny. Oh, my God. Jarvis, I, after you said that, I hate to say it, but this is Jarvis's plot. So, Jarvis, go ahead. Take it away from <laughs> the Bugs Bunny and pussy. Go ahead. Hey, man, if there's ever a way, if there was ever a good segue to fucking go into this movie, that's it. All right. Gather around, ye. Who, who ye of little faith, frankly. I'm surprised at you, each and every one of you, because this movie is fucking good. Okay, and I'm going to I'm going to fucking prove it to you. By the end of this podcast, I'm going to change your goddamn mind. Dan's already asleep. Fuck, that doesn't I matter. Did it again. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Because that was me, but okay. Because we see screen to black, then winter in a city with bugs and science and an epidemic and that's the entirety of the opening credits. Okay. We'll start there. Okay, that part fucking sucked. It was like CSI. It's like a CSI producer like did acid in an insectarium and it was just like, what if we all got sick? And, and he wrote a script. <laughs> I was checked out of this movie before the credits were over. Yeah. I yeah, I didn't. 
It was very rough. Uh, even all the everything was slow. It, I mean, besides the credits being slow, all the pans around the the credits were slow. Everything was slow about it. And also, there was no talk about China. So how can there be a pandemic without China? China. <laughs> I mean, the so, only pandemics I know come from China. The worst <laughs> pandemics come from China. I will. I will say on on the topic of that, like not to step on toes here, Jarvis, but the. That opening scene after the uh, <laughs> gag-worthy like credit scene with the kids not being able to breathe, god damn, that really tugged in my heartstrings, like in a sincere way. Like that was very upsetting. Oh, it's super dark. Uh, and of course, what you're referring to is the visuals that we see following the the Strickler's disease, which we we're going to come to know in the in these early first kind of five minutes. Terrible. Um, <clears throat> Strickler's disease. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue, you know, but uh, at this point, at this point of the story, it's been identified uh, two years ago by this point, and uh, there's still no cure. It attacks the nervous system. Kids are dying left and right. It affects primarily children, and the hospitals are filled to capacity with children on the brink of death. We see that a lot uh, in these kids who are just hyperventilating, and they're, they're yeah, they're going to fucking die. Uh, definitely a poignant image, uh, given our current state of affairs in the world. Um, but here we do meet Dr. Tyler, who is a uh, entomologist. That's a word. You did it. I did. Thank a bug you. doctor. Bug doctor. <laughs> is you the bug lady, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I was really hoping the doctor was going to come behind her and be like, Hey, you that bug lady, right? Come here, look at these dying ass kids. <laughs> but, but sadly, my dreams rarely come to fruition. Um, and then we're we're in the sewers suddenly. Uh, it's a you know quick cut. Uh, everyone's in hazmat suits, and we see someone holding a portable roach condo. It's exactly what it looks like. She puts it down. Um, it is it is Doctor Tyler, Susan Tyler. And they introduce these like super roaches into this incredibly large roach colony underneath the sewers of New York. And like they start this crazy foam party out of their ass and they invite all the regular roaches to hang out. And then the next <laughs> scene is just all the roaches dying. Um, yeah, I thought roaches were supposed to be more resilient. Like they make a point in the beginning of the movie to say, Roaches are the most resilient insects on the planet Earth. And it's like all these roaches died immediately with science. Yeah, you thought. And then he even made a joke. Yeah, you thought. You <laughs> thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he even made a joke. He was like, you know, New York City roaches. <laughs> but but then they murdered them all. They just killed all of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, super easy. Yeah. I, I, I the, the name... Oh my goodness. I laughed. I laughed out loud at the name. Somebody thought this is a good name for these roaches. The Judas breed. The <laughs> Judas breed. Yes. So, the, I mean, them introducing the Judas breed did effectively stop the spread of Strickler's disease, which was primarily carried by the roaches. Um, and the Judas breed um, is a scientific mix of termites and mantids. And for some reason, that mix of insects is what was able to kill roaches. 
and our, our two characters you, you, we, did you mention Dr. Peter Mann? Haven't yet. I do apologize. Yes, that is the doctor who is because, pres- <laughs> presiding he's over. low, I am Dr. Mann. He's, he's such a man's man. He's so manly. You thought he Hello. was manly? Peter Mann is the manliest man that you will ever see. In How could movie. he not be? Yeah, the name like that. He works for the CDC, goddammit. <laughs> oh, and he's going to let everyone know about it, too. I, I just, uh, yeah, so Dr. Mann, he's, he's an absolute treasure. Um, I do want to go over, so so did you guys have any other thoughts? Like, what would you want to call the bug? Because I had some thoughts. I had, because, uh, you know, obviously they call it the Judas breed because it looks and seems like a cockroach. And then it, like, you know, has its anal foam party and it kills everyone. So I was I thinking that like, from the Bible. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The anal, yeah, the anal phone party, like Leviticus <laughs> four twelve. Um, anal, anal phone party band name called it <laughs> Leviticus four twelve. Yeah. And then God said to unto them, anal phone party. <laughs> you missed, you missed your shot there. That should have been Leviticus four twenty, but that's fine. Oh fuck, Leviticus four twenty sixty nine. <laughs> I was thinking instead of the Judas breed, we could call it like the buddy fucker bug, the Uncle Tom bug, the, the rat bugger. bug. <laughs> The traitor beetle or the Iscariob, which is Iscariot. I, I like Iscariob. I like the Iscariob. Mm-hmm. I thought that it's clever. Thank you. So, um, Doctor Suit. Now, now this is after the press conference. This is sometime after the introduction. I think it's a year, three years. Or, oh, uh, hold, hold up! Wait, we didn't we didn't talk about how Peter was smashing. Uh, Peter and uh, what's her face are smashing the manliest oh, yeah, the- man or, and her yes. smashing. Well, they they show that, or they they allude to that right after um, they introduce, or they do the big press conference because yep. he's like, "What's the best thing that came out of this?" You know, other than like millions of children's lives saved, and he's like, "Well, this this epidemic is where I met my wife," and now it's like, "Oh, they're fucking now." Yeah, Peter from the CDC was trying to see these titties. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and you could tell he's such a man because he was like, "You know what's not normal? Us not fucking." And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, that, that was a, one of the words that he came out with. He was like, uh, she was like, it's not normal. And he's like, you know, it's not normal. Us not fucking. And it's like, that, what is Get in the tub, Get in the tub. <laughs> And they both jump in the tub with all their clothes on, she which was, is not the psychopathic thing, thing to do. do. She was definitely like, wait, there's water in the tub. I have my clothes. And he was like, nah, get in there. I'm getting in too. <laughs> Dude, imagine imagine the post engagement sex. It's like you're gonna be Doctor Susan Mann, and she was like, "Nope, dumb name, not happening. Sorry, <laughs> not happening at all. I'm, I'm out. I'm done." Okay, uh, he he does. Oh, sorry, before we go on, he does mention. Uh, he's like, "Is this some sort of Catholic guilt thing?" And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> okay. What what are we doing here, boys?" Imagine like during, he's probably just like, "Oh, call me the man. Call me the man." I, yeah, I, I actively try not Peter. to. Peter does not need someone to call him the man because he is the man, the manliest uh, man. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Who wears glasses and works for the CDC. If, if those are the de- your definition of being a man is wearing glasses and working for the CDC. Yeah. So, Mike, you're not. I'm a man. clearly not a man. Let's get down to business. I mean, hold <laughs> on. Defeat the roach. So the only men that are existing right now is uh, this doctor man and Fauci. Those are the yeah, only. Yeah, I was going to say Doctor Fauci with the glasses. He's the man. I've never seen him throw one cockroach anal foam party. Okay, so <laughs> that's fair. He's not on the same level. 
Honestly, well, that's behind closed doors. You can't just do that at press. Dude, conference. don't you sully Peter Mann's great name. Okay? Honestly, only only janitors are real men to me. Like they're the ones who are really cleaning up the cockroach problems. That's a good point. Nobody talks about how you have to clean up the cockroaches after you murder them all. It's New York. No one cleans up anything. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> it's New York in the 90s, which, by the way, we cut to a lot of New York in the 90s. Oh, boy. So glad. So glad. Because, yes, the, the next thing we see is just absolute plagiarist law and order B-roll into the three years later text. 100% what it was. Uh, but then it picks up pretty quickly because we see poor, tiny Asian priest uh, running from a building. He's clearly injured. Um, Something is chasing him. He... Uh, jumps off the building, lands onto a, uh, what do they call it? Like a terrace? Uh, the painter's terrace? What do they call those? Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Hmm. The thing. Yep. Scaffolding? No. Scaffold, I yeah. do believe. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anyway, he, he falls off the building. And, you know, I, I felt a little cheated because, like, when his head hits the pavement, he lands on, like, white paint. And they, yeah. they missed an absolute opportunity for, like, that beautiful contrast of, like, just horrible gore. Like across yeah, the, the red paint, you know what I mean? No, that that was definitely a. Uh, how do we make this? Uh, how do we make this? Whatever rating G P G thirteen, whatever it was, they were like, is is paint good instead of blood? Yeah, okay, just do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they totally should have did like the um, better watch out thing with yeah. the contract. Exactly, they fucked up. I, I will say, like, m- maybe they changed their mind halfway through because the amount of like fuck this and fuck you and like. Fair. Yeah, this was not a PG-13. It could never have been. But I will say, like, other than that, it was well-framed. Like, you know, the like his death was framed, like, with the Jesus saves neon sign. Kind of very New York, like, you know, kind of dark gothic uh, vision. But, anywho, um, through this scene, we see uh, the little boy, uh, who will eventually learn his name is Chewy. He is autistic, severely autistic, but he has, he's kind of that Rain Man persona character. Uh, he's able to identify uh, the mimic's speech patterns, and he's able to imitate it with a sp- with a set of spoons. God, what fucking year is this? Is this like 1940? Like, yeah. why the fuck is the kid playing with the spoons? <laughs> Throw with spoons, bro. <laughs> Who the fuck plays spoons? No, I'm not going to excuse that. Like, Demi Lovato. You know? Who? Hmm. Demi Lovato. <laughs> Demi Lovato. <laughs> Yeah, her spoons are usually a lot more burned, though. Uh, <laughs> got him. I get it. She does intravenous drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I was going to say, I have a story. I was in Albany, and I was walking past these two dudes uh, on the street, and um, the, they were, like, busking music or whatever, and this guy goes... Hey, mister. Literally said, hey, mister. And he was like, check this out. And he starts just playing <laughs> spoons. <laughs> and he's playing the spoons. And he's like, click, 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 click. I was like, nice spoon. And he was like, thanks. And he was like 26. Like, he's not like a kid. <laughs> I hate buskers. I hate buskers so much. This is in New York? Uh, this is, yes, this is this is in Albany, New York. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even like associate like Albany, New York. No, New York Albany's with, like, like New York with an asterisk. Yeah, it's anywhere Albany. outside of New York City's New York with an asterisk. Yeah, and and also Albany is like whatever parts that are in this movie that are the bad parts. That's all of Albany. Every every part of Albany is very not safe. All right, so the next thing we see is uh, a young Josh Brolin who eats pistachios menacingly. 
before, <laughs> before reenacting what I can only describe is like the quintessential law and order scene that I've viewed so many times to Dr. Peter Mann. <laughs> the quintessential Bum-bum. law and order scene is somebody loading a truck while t- telling the police he doesn't have time to the answer only the thing it was missing. <laughs> the only thing it was missing was crates. Well, it was also missing iced tea saying, man, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was. Ta- he's always been talking about Peter Mann. Now I get it. Man, Man. that's messed up. <laughs> and and guys, do do you remember Josh Brolin's character's name in this movie? Uh, it was Thanos, right? It's just Josh. It's just Josh. It's just Josh. <laughs> oh, man, you're not even Josh me, are you? I'm not. Sadly. So, what are your um? What are your guys' favorite crime scenes next? Pistachios are up there. Pistachios, now, pistachios. Yeah, soup. definitely pistachios. Definitely soup. Pistachios. Soup. <laughs> <laughs> I like a good churro. Oh, yeah. Churro yeah. at a crime scene, huh? You oh, want yeah. something that you need both hands. To. Is this San Antonio? <laughs> yeah, yeah, crime scene in San Antonio. I like the image of Mike rolling up to a crime scene, like he's in, <laughs> like he's in Law and Order, and yeah, everyone's drinking their coffee, and then, like. <laughs> Mike just has his cup, and they're like, "What you drinking?" He's like, "Chicken, chicken noodle." <laughs> and he takes a churro out of his pocket. <laughs> what the fuck's going on here, <laughs> Mike? I can safely say, based on no statistical data or anything of value, you would make a great detective. Oh, I thank yep. you. You're welcome. <laughs> it must have been autoerotic association. I caught a noodle. I'm in a strony. Holy shit. I caught a noodle. Guys, you, but you know what I really want to know? So, like, the, the whole reason they're there is that they, you know, this is where that, that murder took place with the Asian priest. And they find that they, that, that priest was harboring uh, Strickler disease. Uh, kids uh, so they you know wouldn't get caught and uh, I guess he was trying to treat them whatever the case but uh, immediately Is that true? Su- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a front for the uh, Yakuza I thought it was a front for the Yakuza yeah. and they were all just slave labor is that not what this was it, it could be slave labor it certainly what? could no they definitely they had like a, a sweatshop happening they had like they were making uh sweatshirts or something like that in the basement just because they have sewing material does not make them inherently a sweatshop <laughs> who are you who are you defending are you defending I mean, they are just human trafficked people that like to sew on their free time. Kyle, if you <laughs> fuck this up for me, I'll kill you, all right? I got to cut up everything they fucking make, all right? I'll shut the fuck up. I, 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 didn't, I didn't hear nothing. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Man, that's messed up. <laughs> Dude, yeah, but, but seriously, did you guys know that the CDC gets badges? Because the second that Dr. Peter Mann gets there, he's just like, CDC, CDC, get the fuck back. <laughs> Everyone look at my badge. Oh, if I had I a didn't badge, know they I'd had show badges. Up. If I had a badge, I'd show everybody. I want to know where's the limit? He's a CDC representative. Like, who why the fuck does he have a badge? It's the Peter Man way. I think he made it himself. I was just gonna say they don't get <laughs> they didn't give him a badge. He just like was sitting like, on like Microsoft he didn't, paint. He didn't, notice, he didn't <laughs> notice it was just white paper with crayon on it. Like. Do you think well this was 97, so do you think Clippy helped him with it? 
Oh, Clippy. <laughs> hey, I see you're trying to make a fake badge there and commit some perjury. Did you want help with that? <laughs> I miss Clippy. I would, Clippy. I would like help with that. <laughs> I miss you every day. Siri's a bitch. Anyway. Uh, so at this part, we meet Remy, uh, Dr. Susan Tyler. Uh, links up with Remy, who I I guess is a is a coworker. She's also a scientist. I thought she was a hooker. I, I she could be. She she could be anything. Why do really, she was a hooker? She's like taking selfies on the street and like she's in like real baggy clothes, and then she like gets all official. Like I have no idea who she. I still have no idea who she is. I don't even it's, know who you're talking about. It's the, the nineties. It was the nineties. It was the nineties. <laughs> So I, I think it's implied that she works with Dr. Tyler, but she like her character is such a throwaway character. Like yeah. it's not even exposition. It's it's the opposite. Look, I, I don't care. Whatever you guys want to say, she does. Whatever peels your bananas, guys. All right. But the, so in that in the same token, though, in the same scene, we also meet. What do you like to call them, Mike? Oh, was uh, Chompers and Budget Keenan Thompson. I love it. I, I dubbed them something uh, a, a little more. Uh, succinct. I call them bone thugs in entomology. Okay, that's <laughs> also a good one. So, but this, uh, so they're in their office, and these kids knock, and they're like, "You the bug lady, right?" And into the nest of foreshadowing we go. So, like the kids bring her bugs, and um, they like for money or whatever. Uh, and she is like explaining like how a an insect nest works and clearly i'm sure it won't come up again but they also bring like this giant cockroach thing uh in a cereal box they leave it with her she pays them off they go and uh this is where we kind of see like the first uh the first nod to like the judas breed did not die out like it was supposed to yeah i will say as you guys like to point out all the time i did grow up in new york and i knew a lot of punk kids who would sell various different things, but the ones you had to watch out for, the butterfly kids. Those those (laughs) punks that sold butterflies, they were the most dangerous out of all of them. Speaking of selling things, can I bug you guys with an ad? And back to you, Jarvis. So she is able to confirm that the bug in the cereal box in question um, is, in fact, one of the Judas Breed variants. Um, after it kind of attacks her and then she pins it like one of her <clears throat> her butterfly friends. But uh, the giant bug man enters and exits unseen by Susan, taking the baby bug with it, uh, which I, I, I liked. It was kind of a good build. We never see directly what the giant bug man is. I mean, Agreed. literally, because it's so fucking dark that I never <laughs> saw what it was. <laughs> I, I think I think I missed something in here. So when we were talking about her friend, uh, person, woman who talks to her or whatever the the not hooker lady i don't know remy i think yeah remy she comes in and like the the wind blows is that did did this already happen right the wind blows and like her papers fall over the floor for a minute yeah so remy's there for a little while then she eventually leaves like the 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 papers rustle or whatever like the 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 bug at that point's not even out of the box right and i missed that only because i i did want to bring up um did you guys get the the read on that line from her which was Oh no, your paper! But she like ran over. I thought this was the worst line that was ever read by any human being. Uh, oh no, your your paper! 
and then the, the she like frantically ran away. Uh, it was dumb. I want to do a side by side with this movie and Mosquito just to give you guys some context. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we we throw around this is the worst line ever said a lot. It was pretty bad. So at this point, um, uh, Susan tells uh, Peter about the bug situation. Uh, they decide to break into a subway locker room and search for the bugs. Um, it's interesting that they go like pretty much directly to the source. Um, they're eventually caught by a cop throughout this whole exchange. You know, we're meeting some characters, uh, the cop being one of them, uh, Manny and Chewie being another one. And Dr. Tyler briefly meets with Manny and Chewie. Um, and she just kind of admires him and his, his talents. Bone thugs and entomology decide to go looking for the egg after they're questioned in the subway, whether they've seen anything uh, that was related to the Judas breed. They decide to go looking for the egg and are brutally murdered by Mr. Funny Shoes, as Chewie likes to call him, which is our giant bug friend. Uh, while they're looking for the egg in the subway, in the subway tunnels, uh, Susan at this point also enlists the aid of Walter, who is a entomologist as well. I mean, this scene did surprise me because it's not often in horror movies or movies in general where kids get murdered on screen in such a brutal way. I, yes. I'll be honest. I I had no idea what was going on again. Like, I knew mm-hmm. that they were dying. I'll be fair. But, like, no fucking clue what happened. Like, the kid got picked up at one point and then dropped. And then another kid got jumped on. And I, I just, I couldn't tell what was going on. It was so dark. The scene is per- like purposely extremely dark. Well, that was a poor choice. <laughs> In my opinion, I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't see anything. I almost feel like that was a strategic choice, like to censor like the brutal kid murdering, you know? But like, I, I agree that it, I mean, if you're going to do it, go go all out, man. Like, show me that kid getting brutally murdered. I've, I heard, um, and I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard recently that a lot of times in movies like this, they use um, very dark scenes to hide the poor CGI that they used to have. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was one of you guys that told me that or uh, what, but I heard that recently and that, that made a lot of sense. I think that can certainly be part of it, you know, cutting down costs on a, on a fair amount of CGI as well. But uh, the next scene is Chewie outside or sitting beside his bedroom window. Um, and he's I I, I, I want to say he's like lured or lured into the nest from his window in the uh, adjacent house across the street. And then, you know, uh, you know, quickly after this scene, we get a little more character development from Peter and Susan. They're clearly trying to get pregnant. Hold on. Hold on. Stop right there, because um, I don't know if any of you noticed, but in this scene, after she pees on the stick, right? She like to see if she's pregnant. He takes the stick and he starts tapping it on his head. And I was like, didn't she just urinate on that? Uh-huh. You're like putting it against your head. I don't kink shame. You're always, you're <laughs> always kink shaming these movie characters. He just wanted to rub her urine in and uh, around his face. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. Now, now I understand why he was drinking lemonade afterwards. Mm. Because he's the man (laughs) (laughs) and a man's gotta do what a man does and in this instance that's drink pee (laughs) so chewie's into the chewie's in the sore at this point um he's encountered um the mr funny shoes down there and that's the quick uh quick scene change over to uh susan and peter 
Uh, now we shoot over to, while they're waiting for the pregnancy test, she gets the call. Then they head over to the water filtration plant where um, Remy's friend and uh, bandmate, who is none other than Norman Reedus, uh, works at. And he, uh, just as luck would have it, comes across a giant fucking Judas beetle. I, his first reaction was, I think it's a kid. Yeah, I thought he was going to find the kids' bodies that got murdered by the bugs. No, that would have been interesting. <laughs> Savage tonight. <laughs> Shortly after this, Manny, um, who is Chewie's dad, is cooking him breakfast, um, doesn't even realize that he's gone, pulls the sheets from his little sleeping area, realizes it. He calls the police, um, but he gets brushed off with that whole, he'll be contacted within 48 hours, so he decides to look for himself. He immediately realizes that it's likely the house adjacent. He goes and it's confirmed after he sees one of Chewie's uh, little wire dolls that he makes of Mr. Funny Shoes, the insect creatures. I was just going to say, you know, at, at this point, I realized that I've seen way more poop than I saw monster. Like there's poop in every other scene. And it's just like, I can't see the monster anywhere. Poop again. He caught the shit poop. <laughs> So now, uh, Dr. Man, Peter, uh, Josh, his, his co-detective in the CDC, which is a thing, I guess, uh, and the cop, who is, uh, someone remind me of the cop's name, please. Charles Dutton. God damn it, that's not him. <laughs> his name is, doesn't matter, because I'm generic cop number one. How dare you? That's Charles Dutton. He was in The Sopranos. I loved his character in it. He was in there for like a season. Yeah, well, he was in there for an episode, and it was very impactful to me. He's in you there for several. You know how many people episodes. were in like one episode of The Sopranos? It was very impactful. Okay, Tony made him look. His one scene was way more impactful in my life than all of Mimic. So fair enough. So Peter, Josh, and the cop go searching in the subway now that they have their permit and they're allowed to. Uh, concurrently, Walter and Remy are studying the bug specimen from the water treatment plant and they determine that it's a soldier who's part of a colony. Dr. Tyler is down in the subway who, and she's looking for Peter uh, when everyone just kind of suddenly clears out of the subway, which I feel like doesn't happen very often in New York, but it's always in movies and she's taken by one of the creatures. And this is the first time we get a full length look at the creature. I I'm going to briefly describe it and then I have to hear your thoughts. So it is a giant bug it has this cranial shell um, that goes over its face that is meant to give the appearance of like a somewhat human face and its wings wrap around to look almost like a trench coat. And that's why it can blend in seamlessly with New York. And ouch, I'm, I'm I and the floor is yours. Look, I, I will say that still even in the deformed bug like creature, still not the last person you'd approach. In a New York City subway. Also, you don't talk to anybody if you're in the subway. Keep your head down. Don't make eye contact with anybody and go about your business. And this is a understanding that everybody has. Which only furthers the validity of those creatures being able to exist among New Yorkers. Am I wrong? Nope. No, not at all. Uh, you know what? I'll just give that to you. Any other final thoughts on the uh, the image before we, we creep by this one? If I could have saw it, I would have given you more. <laughs> it was in a very lit subway. How, uh, what do you mean you didn't see it? I Oh, I do remember seeing this. I think I wrote, and I quote, Oh boy, the reveal was 
something. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of good things to say about this movie, as you can tell. So so here's so here's what I liked, right? They didn't try to make it like this ridiculous, monstrous thing. The, the only thing that is a little ridiculous is its size, the rate at which it evolved, and that it took on the form of humans as a natural predator. <laughs> it took the, which, it took like the amalgamous shape of a human. Because I'll, I'll go into my deep dive of all my problems with this movie and how this was supposed to pass as a human later on when we're wrapping up and I'm giving my final thoughts. That's a fair deal. But I, I, I like that they didn't over-monster that, you know, this this creature. Oh, and by the way, fun fact, do you guys know who played the monster? No, but I'm frantically looking it up. I, I am Goldblum. eagerly waiting. The answer is uh, our old buddy um, and Guillermo del Toro regular, uh, Doug Jones, the famous monster guy. I had a feeling it was him. For those who don't know, he was Abe Sapien in the uh, Hellboy movie. Both help was he? Wait, no, he wasn't in the second Hellboy, was he? Yes, he was. Oh, was he the uh, was he the sea person in Shape of Water? He absolutely yes, he was. was. And the he guy was. with the eyes in Pan's Labyrinth. Indeed, yes. he was. Ooh, all of his, his most known roles. Doug Jones. All right, so back to the subway crew of Josh, Peter, and the cop. They all find uh, rooms of broken egg sacs. Um, deep down in the subway, they get trapped after the cop smashes one of the uh, baby cockroaches, which was a, about the size of the cop's foot. Uh, structure that they're on topples, they get trapped at the bottom of this area in the subway, and they send Josh to go get help, utilizing the absolute worst directions I've ever heard someone say. You want to go right, 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 right. Is that right? That, honestly, I think he would have found his way better had, had he been given those directions. So Susan, at this point, now that she's been taken, she wakes up in the, in the bottom of the subway. Um, she hears the creatures. She Before she sees one, she manages to pick up a weapon. She sees one. Uh, she kills it, um, and she runs away. She gets to a point in the sewer where she sees a light coming from above, and she starts screaming to the people. And it's literally the street is only you know 30 feet above her, but the sheer noise does not enable her to scream loud enough so that people can hear her, which I thought was actually pretty terrifying. Like... I mean, just imagine that. It's almost like otherworldly. Just the only thing I, I, I think it was could be comparable to is like a shark attack, you know? Like you're just below the ocean. Yeah, you're you're below the water and like you're just screaming up and like nothing no one can do anything about it. I actually thought that was pretty pretty scary. So Josh attempts to escape, uh, but he comes across basically the nest or, or one of the nests. Um it's heavily guarded. By the creatures he makes a noise in his attempt to escape and he's actually in kind of like a secluded area it's pretty hard to get through but the bug guys get through pretty quick and pretty easily and he gets fucking whacked this is thanos that just got bifurcated in fucking front of us right now like it was so fast he didn't even realize he was dead pretty solid gore i thought yeah it probably would have been really cool if we could have saw it oh my god this scene was <laughs> so well lit he's he's all he's I not even was, underground anymore. All I saw was Thanos' face as he's getting cut from the bottom, and I'm just like, wait, what's going on down there? And it's just like, oh, well, guess, guess I didn't need to know. That's fine. I'll just leave it to my imagination like everything else in this movie. Here's all I'm saying. Sickle-armed Bugman would have been a welcomed addition to the Avengers simply for the, simply for the <laughs> mission of killing Thanos. <laughs> Okay, so Manny comes across Susan um, as he's still attempting to go through the subway to find Chewie. He manages to find uh, Peter and the cop. 
they manage to save her. Um, but as they bring her up, she's followed by a creature, and they all run to an abandoned subway car. And this is sort of the the showdown in the abandoned subway car. Finally, uh, they're able to kill the bug. It kind of kills itself, like it slices itself in half to get into the cart. But basically, the exposition here is that finally they're able to confirm that the bugs have evolved to mimic their predators, and they show facial cranial plate that brings together and kind of makes like a human looking face and the dead bugs lower half is still able to signal its homies and now we get kind of a fun mosquito callback i don't think people were its predators the bugs that they made to combat these bugs were its predators so that's why i couldn't get on board with this mimicking their predators yeah the whole predator angle did seem kind of loose because it's kind of like humans did nothing to them they just it's almost like it was just the bugs coveted them so much that they were just like, let's look like them. And that was it. That's the whole evolution. Wait, so people were the bad ones after all? Oh, my God. Turns out it's man. <laughs> Damn it. I was about to say it. Dr. Man? Speaking of Dr. Man, why is he so mad all the time? He's always yelling. He's yeah, just yelling at people. This is your boy that you were talking up so highly before. I know. <laughs> I, well, I was expecting one of you to say, well, he's a man. So, you know, he's always mad about something. He certainly does kind of have that persona. Like, I'm the man. He's he does, he does like he does tell Susan to, like, butt the hell out a couple times. Because he's the man now, dog. Yeah. I think he feels demasculated that she wouldn't take his last name. Just a little bit. Come on, Susan, be the man. Was that a plot line <laughs> that she would not take his last name? No, because she's still Sus- uh, Dr. Susan Tyler. You know, just- you know, when you have a movie like this with such a loose plot, you really have to make up your own stories as you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which really gives it high replay value. Like, you can go back into it and create a different story every time. Yeah, like, My like next the idea that- true. I- I'm going to make the-, the mimic the good guy. Oh, you know, I, but I do like the, the theory that, that Josh is actually a mimic the whole time because of the way that he eats pistachios. Did you guys ever see that? You remember Josh? Yeah. Oh, good old Josh. Oh, you, you mean Josh? actor Josh Brolin, whose character named Josh? <laughs> Josh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's my character name? I don't give a fuck, Josh. I don't just just fuck, you're fucking Josh. <laughs> Go look at the shit on the wall, okay? Go make some jokes. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show everyone one day. <laughs> I'm going to eradicate half of the poop in the galaxy. <laughs> everyone pooping everywhere all the time. Why don't you just put two times as many toilets out there? Then we don't have to worry about the poop. It's fine. My, no. Your poop is inevitable. For all the strong women out there that need, like, you know, not, not necessarily a mnemonic device, but something to motivate them in the morning, you just look right in the mirror. And you tell yourself, it's too damn hot for a penguin to be just walking around here. That you are strong like a CR-17 from Coney Island and you don't need no man. Because that big black cop was very passionate about that (laughs) goddamn subway cart. He says, they're like, we're not going to get this fucking thing to run. It's been down. The guy literally picked up a newspaper from 1945. But this cop is like, nah, (laughs) man, this is a CR-17 from Coney fucking Island. It's going to work. He was an expert on everything old New York train system and train cars. But yeah, if we follow this down, we'll hit Coney Island and these things are built to last. 
do you like it, all the movies that we watch you know like science is is, is sometimes take it sometimes takes a backseat we know this but also engineering because anytime people are in like a disaster situation someone's always like what if we just rewire the blah 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 like that's always something that's tossed around does anyone know how to rewire anything without proper training the answer is probably no no but uh the man can do it he because he, right. he does it that's fucking right well that's peter man <laughs> he worked for the goddamn cdc that. motherfucker <laughs> that man's strong as a cr17 from coney island <laughs> Uh, so, so here I'm, I'm going to try to speed it up a little bit because uh, there's a couple things that happen at this point. They they realize after being they're being swarmed um, in this kind of mosquito callback, um, they're being swarmed by all the bugs. What they realize is that the bugs uh, directly react to human blood. However, um, the scent of their own blood disarms them. So they literally just take the innards of the bu- like the half the bug that went went into the train car and they just smear it all over the windows and it and it tells them to fuck off and they do. Um, but now they use this to say, all right, let's let's cover ourselves in some bug guts. At this point, Peter and Manny go out to to rewire the car and you know re redirect the subway tracks. Um, but they all cover their scent with like the huge, gross, like bug dick looking things. Um, they rub it all over their body. And they're encouraged not to sweat because the creatures can sense uh, chemical changes in the body. They can sense the menstruation. (laughs) (laughs) The Dr. Funny Shoes can smell the menstruation. You hear that, man? Bugs. (laughs) They put the whole team at risk. (laughs) So as this happens, uh, Peter encounters one of the creatures... Uh, but because he's covered in the uh, bug guts, uh, the bugs uh, smells him, doesn't catch the scent, and just kind of passes right by. It almost seemed like he was trying to start a conversation. There were a lot of... <coughs> that just walks right by him. Manny finds Chewy, uh, but he is not so lucky because he is sweating like a whore in church. The big fella behind him gets him. Chewy watches the whole thing. Uh, Peter uses his glasses to kickstart the power susan finds chewy uh shortly after this uh the subway starts moving but fails very soon after and as the others start to get swarmed by the bugs leonard the cop is watching it and he decides to go out like a g singing the blues and gets killed by one of the buggy guys peter moves uh chewy and susan up a uh dumb waiter and uh at this point he's he's kind of sacrificing himself almost uh, but so now that we've separated the two parties between Susan and Chewy and Peter, both parties are attacked and the camera follows both parties getting attacked. Peter ends up in the like the center of the nest in the actual nursery. And after several attempts of releasing the gas, uh, he's able to literally just blow the hell out of the whole nest and about 10 to 15 square blocks of the Lower East Side. No big deal. I'm not sure I believed that this would happen. Well, I mean... It it seems, yeah. I don't know um, the, the miscellaneous gas that was just pouring out of the, the pipes. That's, I mean, the sign said gas. So it did we, say we gas. No, it was in fact gas. It, it's like the trope of uh, you know you, you throw like a lit cigarette down a, a a New York City sewer thing, and 
it explodes because the methane, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Sure. Well, this turned that trope on its head because the Zippo did not work. Normally, like, everybody in every movie that has the light uh-huh. something has a Zippo. I personally have never carried a Zippo. But it seemed like everybody in every media property carries a Zippo. Sometimes you got to have a Zippo. And uh, this was not a good advertisement for Zippos because it didn't work. It failed miserably. <laughs> it did. And it had no reason to, I don't think. Like, he didn't, like, go swimming in the goop. He stepped in it for, like, a second. Oh, the and the then... reason for the Zippo, like, not working was because if he would just lit the Zippo, boom, it, it lights, everything explodes. But by the Zippo not lighting, he did the other method of just, like, grating across metal on metal to cause a spark, which gives him enough time to jump in the pool of water to get does away it? from the explosion. No, it, it shouldn't have, but it absolutely <laughs> the, the movie... Have. He does. Yeah, it's like the he made the spark and the explosion happened like 200 feet in front of him and he was like, time to go dive. And then he he just went down. Yeah. Well, the good news is the movie's over because after the explosion, all of them are dead. So Susan's looking around for Chewie after the explosion because everything's fine now. And oh no, they encounter the male. And the only way you can tell him apart from the others is the male does not have wings. The male creature starts running towards Chewie. Uh, Susan cuts her hand to distract it with her own blood from Chewie. And she leads it into an active subway car that didn't explode. But apparently, Susan does give the male bug a uh, saluting hand gesture with her just arm outstretched. Oh palm yes, open she does in front of her. <laughs> yeah, it was a little awkward. Little volunteers tribute ish. Uh, I was gonna go another direction, but you know what? I volunteers tribute's a better way to go. Yeah, I don't think Susan is a neo-Nazi. <laughs> I, well, I just don't. Do you know she is not a <laughs> Nazi? I will say, like, as far as the Nazi experiments go, Susan would have fit in really well because giant bug uh-huh. monsters <laughs> would have fit in really nice with their repertoire. So now we're in the aftermath. You know, we presume that the, the male host is dead and New York Police Department and the Fire Department, they're running around. Peter's presumed dead. There's a pale figure at the bottom of the subway. They go to look. It looks kind of like the creatures. And then the camera changes entirely. And it's just Peter. And and it ends it ends right there. It ends incredibly flatly. Uh, and that's and that is Mimic. It ended as it began and continued throughout. Flatly and disappointing. Underwhelming, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think, would be a, a a nice little word for this movie. That should have been the title. Mimic. It's underwhelming. I mean, they couldn't use that movie because that's the title of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Mimic. If you like shit, you'll love this movie. There is a lot of poop That's in this what, movie. That was the joke. Not that the movie is shit. Uh-huh. I mean, the movie is shit. But see, it was a play. See, double meaning. Double entendre. See, there you go. It was a play on the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's shit. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, why don't we? Uh, why don't we go ahead and just talk a little bit about that cinematography then? If we're going to talk about how poopy it is, um, Dan, could you tell us about the cinematography? I mean, sure, I could. I, I guess I could tell you about the cinematography. I don't usually do Kyle. I don't usually do this, but uh, well, no, I, I thought you. I thought you would have some specific words. Um, um well, yeah, I'll actually, be- I do. Um, here, I'll keep it short and sweet on my opinions on it. It's dark. Um, uh-huh. I couldn't see what the. If you couldn't tell, I couldn't see what the fuck was going on for half of this movie. Um, which, re- if you didn't know. It really hurts a movie when you can't see what's going on. <laughs> um, 
I didn't, man, I did not like the use of darkness in this. Like, I get it. Yeah. But yeah. it just, it was not great in my opinion. And there weren't really a whole lot of great shots. There was like the one good shot that Jarvis pointed out in like the beginning. And th- there was like a couple shots that were interesting, but like overall, I, I don't, I don't even know if it was a good shot. Cause I couldn't see shit. Yeah. Agreed. And I think the use, the special effects going alongside of that, that I, were they passable back then? Probably. I think it, that, that, does it read like 1997? I think that's really the metric that we need to discuss. Yeah. It, it didn't I, look like it to me. No. I, personally, I, I mean, some of like the B roll film, like over New York, it sure did. But like, I, I thought like visually everything was at least good. Dark, yes. Like, was it lit poorly? Absolutely. I don't think anyone's contesting that, but it just didn't yeah. look like a 1997 film to me. I, I would give it maybe a 2003 film. Does that make you happier? Or does it make you angrier? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, would, I, would actually, I would say the opposite. This movie, to me, read nothing but late 90s movie. Just with, you just go by the aesthetic of it and... We're talking about visually. Visually. Just visually. I mean, like the characters and how they were dressed and portrayed. And to me, it was nothing but 1990s horror movie or just movie in general. Yeah. I don't know. Like you said, cinematography, special effects, they were neither here nor there. Sound, uh, a lot of clicking. Loving all the clicking in this movie. Uh, (laughs) A lot of spooning. A lot of spooning. I think it was it was fine. I I wasn't pulled away by anything that was particularly bad. The if we're gonna go with sound, uh, the acting was okay in p- chunks of this, and uh, I think you guys mentioned it that the one guy uh, Walter who shows up for a couple times, he's fantastic. Walter's like two scenes where he's like having a heart to heart with with the main character, uh, Doctor Doctor Susan. Oh yes, that that's the best part of this movie uh, for sure. He's like he's like I don't think you doing what you think you're doing and i was like wow this is actually good acting but whatever it was it was fine i think all of it was good acting mm. i i I, mean, mm. I think we are so far apart mm. on this movie i can't wait to see the rating scheme mm. i i think that you want i think the police the police officer i think was great i think so too josh brolin was very good josh brolin was he was okay I don't think his character. I don't think his character was very deep, so that's not really a no, strike against his, him. Very How, surface level. However, the main characters, I couldn't have given two shits about, and that was all their fault. There was no emotion behind the characters. I honestly, if we didn't see the one really weird, creepy scene where he pushed her into a tub full of water and then got into it too, I totally wouldn't have known that they were romantically. There engaged. was playfulness. Even, there was the baby heaven. Yeah, there was the peace. <laughs> um, there, even when like they hug at the end, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, wh- how forced was that? Did you guys hate each other? Like, it just it felt very forced. There was no chemistry between the two. Like, oh, it was it was painful to watch at times. There's nothing wrong with getting excited about the insurance settlement after your loved one definitely dies in an explosion. <laughs> and, you know, once you start warming up to that idea, it, clearly it happens quick. It's just, it, you're a little taken back when you're like, oh, fuck, you're still damn alive. It. God damn well, it. There goes that money. I mean, even the newly adopted child, uh, he, he even thought it, because when he started walking up, he's like, size 10, boots, huh? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. 
I think so because we're we're already getting amped up to talk about it. Uh, Dan, do you have a spoopy meter for us this week? Yes, it's one of my laziest spoopy meters. All right, so cockroach, its life cycle it goes from being an egg to a nymph to an. Adult. Sound more excited? Have some respect for Doctor Peter Mann. All right, youngsters, <laughs> the cockroach lifestyle. It goes from being an egg to a nymph. A nympho to an adult. Oh, baby. So, you little rapscallions out there, give me a zero to three rating. Which of the life cycles would would you even be born for this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Would you even want to be an egg or just like, it's like, God, just give up on me, please. (laughs) Don't, don't make me. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll start out. I, um, I, I think, I can see where Jarvis is coming from at times with this movie. It, it really, it, it speaks late nineties. It is a late nineties horror. I'm putting quotes in there. There, there's, there's not a lot of horror in it. That's the one thing that this, uh, you know, our, our, some of our episodes kind of teeter on is, is like, is it actually scary? And, um, I think this movie falls a little short. I think the acting is meh at times. Some of the characters are great, like, but they only have three lines. So like, you know, they really skimp out on some of the good acting. It, it was, it was very nineties tropey. And I, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was bored. It was a, it was a pretty long movie. I think it was like two hours long. I, I just, I, I wish it was shorter. I wish there was less scenes, I guess. Um, uh yeah i don't know i i would i would be i think for overall uh, for spoopy i'm I'm not even an egg there's no egg i'm i'm i wasn't even thought of i'm two generations behind at this point there's no there's no scary in this movie and then for overall i'm i'm just about to be thought of as an egg i think i'm not i I didn't have a a great time with it it's not not the worst movie we've ever seen which is a lot to say but i'm not i wouldn't watch it again by any means so I agree. Definitely not a uh, spoopy in any means. So I'm also going to give it a, uh, I'm not thought of egg negative egg. I don't think I hated it nearly as much as Dan did. Um, but I do see where he was coming from. It was definitely dark a lot of the time. I was looking for character development and I didn't find it. Although I was mainly just focused on the man, but it was, it was shot decent. Effects were decent. Uh, I will agree with Jarvis. Josh Brolin's death was pretty cool. I did enjoy that. But other than that, I just kind of zoned in and out. had trouble paying attention. So I'm just going to... I'll give it a solid half an egg for total. Okay. Well, I have a lot of problems with this movie. It didn't feel like they like committed to any real plot line where they said these things were trying to mimic humans, but they, they weren't convincing as humans where they could have blended in at all in any capacity. I thought there was a lot of things that they could have done. Like the doctor, she gets bit at some point. Then you find out like immediately in the scene after that, that she's pregnant. I thought an interesting way to go about doing that was, Oh, well like the ending of the fly where she gives birth to the lava. I thought that could have been a cool ending where it shows her in the hospital and she does that same thing. The test was negative. No, the test was positive because that's when he picks it out of the garbage and he's all excited because she didn't wait long enough and it's a positive test. 
and he's all excited and he's wanting to tell her and he's telling the other two guys in the sewer that it's a positive test. So that would have been a cool way for them to go about it. Uh, another thing they could have done was at the end where you see Dr. Man coming up the stairs, you could have had it turn out that he was in fact a mimic and he was an actual bug that, and that was the next stage of evolution. But this is just me like rewriting the movie. So overall, I would, same thing, I'm not even thought of as an egg. I didn't enjoy this movie. It was boring and it was overly long. So half a point. And the same thing, spoopy-wise, it wasn't scary. There was one good death that I thought was really cool, where the priest in the beginning of the movie gets dragged down the sewer by the bug. It reminded me a lot of the movie It. You get the half a point for that one scene. On Chris's note, where he said negative, that he would rate this as negative egg, let me just start by saying you are all a bunch of negative eggs tonight. <laughs> Um, I believe my negative egg was for spoop. Well, I gave half an egg for overall. Well, so. you're all a bunch of negative eggs. But let me just tell you. So yes, I'm clearly on the on the opposite side of the spectrum here. I actually did enjoy it. I disagree with a, a lot of your points. Actually, I thought the plot was pretty clear. Whether you agreed with it or not, it was a, it was a clear point. It was a clear direction. I would argue that the bugs could blend in, and in fact, did blend in well enough in New York City because it shows they only come out in very dark, poorly lit areas and times of night. I thought the de- uh, I thought the kills were actually pretty decent. Yes, they, they, they were poorly lit, purposefully, I'm sure, to kind of hide the, you know, the lacking CGI back in 1997. Uh, they were very careful to only show that in certain areas. But overall, generally well-paced. I like that it's a giant insect movie. It's a monster movie, but they didn't make this thing, like, it doesn't have like really crazy over the top features except for that of like really quick evolution. It is silly, but yeah, I, I liked it. It's a little campy. I think it's still serious enough that it, it commands a little more respect than a, a half an egg. So I, I'm going, I'm going pupa. I, I actually like it. I would show this to people in terms of spoopy. I'll, I'll probably go an egg in really that I, I just enjoyed kind of the, the slashing and the the killing of and anyone anyone was fair game once you start killing kids anyone can die so um i liked it overall that's where i stand and now i will bring it back to the other end of the spectrum and i'll say uh what i've been saying i'm not going to spend a lot of time i've made my point very very clear it was dark it was hard to follow i and i'm i'm i always try to be fair like somewhat fair i mean i joke around but in all seriousness like i just it wasn't interesting i i couldn't see the monster i wanted to see the monster and i thought the monster was kind of cool looking it reminded me of like an alien type thing and i i think that's really cool and i don't think the effects were bad um i'm trying to give it some credit here like but i just think it was it was done poorly and i mean Obviously, if Guillermo del Toro, like, didn't want anything to do with it, like, you can say that he kind of agreed with that. Uh, I I can't believe that this had two sequels to it and someone actually wanted to make a TV series out of it. That's a thing. I can't believe that. The the acting wasn't good. Maybe if the acting was better. Maybe if the acting was better, I would have liked this. Look, I'm trying to rewrite this so that I like it. But I just, I can't. I really can't. I didn't enjoy it at all. So for spoopiness, obviously this gets a zero. This 
doesn't even scratch the surface of some of the movies that we've seen that I haven't given anything to. And uh, overall as a movie, no, it's not even a funny movie to like sit and watch with people. It's just not, it's just not good. I give it a zero, zero on everything. It's just not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would not, I wouldn't watch this again. Uh, unfortunately, I will so. say I watched this on like Pluto or something and I had to watch an ulcerative colitis commercial, like about a million <laughs> times, which is funny <laughs> because there's so much poop in the movie. But I genuinely, after the fifth time of watching that commercial, I started looking forward to the commercial because I just found it funnier and funnier every time (laughs) I watched it. Like, like the the one girl's like talking to the person next to her at the lunch table and she's like, oh, I'll be right back. And the guy's like, this medicine may cause diarrhea and blah, blah, blah. And she's like running to the bathroom. But then it turns out she's going to get a birthday cake and bring it back and be like, happy birthday. <laughs> and then the guy's like, Oh, I got to take a dump. And he's like running down the field to go to the porta potty. But no, he's just taking a picture of his kit. See, I saw the commercial so many times and I enjoyed it every time. And I looked forward to that over watching. <laughs> That's the last thing I was like. So uh, I guess we'll end it there. I want to thank Andrew Cavanaugh for our intro and outro music. I want to thank Connor McLeod for our, uh, you know, for our artwork, I guess. He's a cool guy. Go check him out. You can check out both the description, all the information in the description of the podcast. I want to thank Travis for editing uh, the mess that we call our episodes. I want to thank you for joining him for our third season. It's been, it's been fun so far. Let's keep this gravy train going. Thank you for joining for Monster Month. And... Yeah, with that, Chris, uh, what do you want to tell all the mimics out there? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. time. I liked, I liked mimic. You know what? I'm happy with my mutilated penis. I'm okay with it.